we just learned by doing, you know, we had no idea how to run a podcast or paint a mural or write a contract. And, you know, if we had waited till we were ready, we never would have done any of that stuff. Yeah, done is better than perfect. What is going on? You're listening to episode 65 of the Perspective Podcast, and I'm your host, Scotty Russell of Perspective Collective. This show is about carving out time to build something for yourself and about being open to seeing things from a different perspective. I want to share what is and isn't working for me along with sharing my guest point of view. So if you didn't know, Crop Conference is right around the corner, April 5th and 6th to be exact, and tickets are available at cropbr.com. My main man, Matty Ice, a.k.a. Stay Gray Pony Boy, throws a killer party, a killer conference, and people like James Victoria, Daniel Evans, uh, the two Dan's from Young Jerks, the Forefathers are just some of the names you'll know that'll be there. And there's also going to be a stacked workshop lineup, too, which today's guests will be teaching one, as well as doing a live podcast. And my homie Brian Manley and myself are teaching a pop-up one called Crafting and delivering a killer talk, just like we'll be doing at Creative South. So don't sleep on this conference as it's sold out back to back years. And I'm pretty sure it's going to do it again this time as it's just an insanely good time. So for real, don't miss out. Get your tickets today at cropbr.com. And I'm going to ask you to hold on to your biscuits today as I have the most badass female lettering duos in the lettering game. Roxy Prima and... Phoebe Cornog. You know them as Pander Design Co., where they crush branding, murals, speaking, and teaching loads of workshops all over the United States as well as across the world. They also are the host of the popular Drunk on Lettering podcast, where they interview the biggest letterers in the game and they show the personalities behind the work all while being crunk. Genius. I know, right? Behind the upbeat and entertaining personalities, though, you see plastered all over your social media, these two ladies grind harder than most of the creatives I know out there. They set massive goals, work their asses off, and inject an entertaining and much-needed spark into the creative community and industry. In today's episode, we go deep in the weeds of saying yes and figuring shit out on the fly, ending the starving artist stereotype, working your ass off and making opportunities happen, the power of outreach and collaboration, and you're also going to find out what their favorite pizza and drink of choice is. I have no doubt you're going to be blown away by seeing the behind the scenes of how much work these girls actually put in and how they achieve their results. You can find the show notes of this episode at perspective-collective.com slash 65. And if you think someone can find value in this episode, please give it a share on social media It's because of your word of mouth that this show keeps on growing, and you know I have mad love for you for doing that. Finally, if you catch some inspiration from the show, create some artwork and tag me on Instagram. I'll give it a share where I post each week's episode artwork at Perspective Podcast, and that's on Instagram, so you know, go and follow that, share your work, tag it, and I'll give you credit. Let's get into the show. What's going on? I'm here tonight joined by Roxy Prima and Phoebe Cornog. Not Corndog. Ladies, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining me on the show tonight. What's up? Thanks, Scotty, for having us. It's 
it's interesting to do it having you interview us. Yeah, <laughs> it's our turn to get tortured. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not like that on the podcast. I want to bring out your best selves. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, let's just jump right into it. Give us a brief Wikipedia page summary about yourselves, and let's start with Phoebe. Okay. So I'm the world's young, <laughs> youngest billionaire. No, just kidding. That's Sarah Blakely, um, or female billionaire. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm a designer, muralist, letterer, all those things, entrepreneur with uh, Roxy Prima. We together run Panda Design Co. as well as the podcast Drunk on Lettering. You may have heard of it. Based in San Diego, love and life. That's me. I'm 27 years old, single. <laughs> <laughs> the youngest single billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> Scoop her up, somebody. <laughs> Someone in the audience, let's go, make your move. That's how it's going to happen. I have a feeling. <laughs> From my audience? <laughs> From some audience. <laughs> <laughs> Roxy, what about you? Um, my name is Roxy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm from San Diego originally. I'm 28 years old, not single. Um, <laughs> shout out to FDOT. Um, so it took me a while to figure out I wanted to be a designer slash letterer. I went to college for like seven years and never graduated because I couldn't pick um, a major, you know, started taking design classes at the end and realized that was for me. Um, But by that point, I'd been in college forever. So I was totally burnt out. I um, have always been very independent, knew that I wanted to work for myself. So I was just like, fuck school. I'm dropping out. I'm going to try freelance. And, you know, I ended up working a couple boring jobs that gave me a lot of free time to be able to draw letters and then I started posting them on this new app called Instagram and then the rest is history. (laughs) So did both of you like me get your start on Instagram? Yes. Isn't that wild? I guess I did. I don't know. Phoebe got her start on SoundCloud. (laughs) SoundCloud with improv? (laughs) Yeah she used to record these really long monologues. (laughs) Are you serious? I don't (laughs) I just don't like thinking that I got my start on Instagram because I never had as many I'm still far behind Roxy so I met Roxy through Instagram and reached out to her because she had so many followers and was so cool and popular so I and then she met me and found out that's a lie well and then I met her and I found out like how to actually post like good things on Instagram and use hashtags and be strategic about it and that's when I started using it as a tool Right on. Well, then how did San Diego Letters first start off? Because you, you've evolved to Pander Design Co., but how did all that start off? You just reached out to her and then you guys just started creating cool shit out of nowhere? Yes. So we actually started as a meetup group. So we were interested in, in involving the people around San Diego area and or who thought who would be interested in learning and doing things with letters, which you think would be a very like, like probably like three people. But it's actually ended up being a lot more than that. We an email list of over 100 people that were participating in these events so we would do fun things like friendsgiving and make letters out of you know thanksgiving food and or uh we did a few workshops we did a surface type event where we drew on different objects i just met up in a park like just made these things happen and uh after after a couple months of doing that people started reaching out to us thinking we were a business and asking for commission pieces so that's where the collaboration between myself and Roxy really began and then it you know went got out of control and turned into a business yeah at the time we were we were both working full-time jobs that I was not creatively fulfilled in my job and Phoebe kind of hit a glass ceiling there wasn't really any upward mobility so it kind of 
we were excited to take on these freelance projects together. And then it eventually got to the point where we wanted to quit our full-time jobs. So how did you get into murals? Because honestly, that's what I kind of knew you for in the first place, both of you. And that's what I like reached out to you with questions and stuff. How did you just get into that? Did you put out work that you wanted to be known for? And then people just started calling? Kind of. Our first one was at Red Bull in San Diego. Your first one was at Red Bull. (laughs) I know. Isn't that so ridiculous? We go big or go home. (laughs) What the fuck? My first one... My first one was like free, a free one at a co-working space. And then my second one was a free work, a free one. Yeah, it was basically for free with what we charged because we had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea what to charge. And they basically, uh, Phoebe's roommate had worked for Red Bull. So that was the connection. And I think Phoebe, you just put out there like, oh, I want to do a mural sometime. I was walking through the living room one day and I I said, I want to paint a mural. And she (laughs) said, oh, we need one of those. And then it, it really worked out. So they asked you or you asked them and you said yes and figure it out because that seems to be like the reoccurring theme. Yeah, they said, they said, we have $750. Can you paint this 20 by 10 foot wall and do unlimited revisions and um, spend (laughs) basically, I mean, we had no idea about contracts or revisions or anything. So we were just like, yeah, sure. We designed everything up front did so many revisions, spent like so much time designing and for $750, it was actually three of us doing it. That's like basically 10 cents an hour. Um, So we've raised our prices a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. Did you get at least a shit ton of Red Bull? We did. So don't look up close on that mural. The lines are all shaky. (laughs) Get a lot of Red Bull. So we did that one and we learned a lot in the process, but we really enjoyed doing it. So someone saw that on Instagram and they hired us to do our next one and then so on and so forth. It's funny because the way that we designed it would not be at all something that we would do today. Like we know how to design smart, smart or for mural versus like something that you would do on the iPad. It's, you know, painting techniques are slightly different than how you would like draw something on the iPad or on paper or whatever. So Yeah, it's just interesting how you learn over time. Well, how did you get into the podcast? Were you just drunk one time, lettering, and were like, holy shit, we should like make a show out of it? How did that come around? Because how long have you been doing the podcast now? It's it's longer than me, so like two years? Yeah, almost. We've been doing it for 79 weeks. (laughs) 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 Um, Just so interesting. So when Phoebe and I met up for the first time, of course, we got... Wine and cheese. Shout out to cheese. Um, and, <laughs> and wine. Shout out to wine. <laughs> and wi- I can't forget wine. Um, yeah, so we met up, and that was the first time, because this was a few years ago, so that was the first time we I really met up with someone that was familiar with the whole lettering scene on Instagram. So, like, I could be like, oh, do you follow this person? Do you follow this person? And, like, we were just talking about Instagram and lettering for, like, a couple of hours, And I think we joked about like, oh, we should just start a podcast and record all these like drunken conversations about like lettering, which is what everyone talks about when they're drunk, of course. Super normal. Yeah. Amongst other things. So like like a year and a half later, we actually were just like drunk one night and we're like, because we had tossed around the idea of doing this podcast. You know, I always listen to more entertaining podcasts because I'm listening to them while I'm working. So like I can't listen to something super inspiring that's going to take all my attention and brain power so I couldn't find anything like that that was for designers or for any creatives of like something that's just entertaining and light and like funny 
Um, and so we decided that we wanted to start it and get to know the personalities behind all these people that we are obsessed with on Instagram and look at their work every day, but like have no idea what they're like as people. How do you do the reach out process? Does everybody say yes to be on the show or some people kind of like freaked out about the whole, you know, vulnerability of being drunk? I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. A lot of people don't like it. <laughs> a fuck ton of people have said no to us. We pretty much make it clear that you don't need to be drunk. There's plenty of people that are sober that we've had on the podcast. We just say as my, as long as you guys don't mind us like being silly and drunk. So we are not pushers. We're not pressuring you to be alcoholics with us. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's hard because it's definitely a more vulnerable situation than most. <laughs> yeah. We'll get people like the next day being like, oh gosh, that was horrible. Can we re-record it? And we're like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you caught me, you recorded like three episodes in one day and then it was my turn at the end of the night and you were already crunk as fuck when you talked to me. I know we actually listened to the last 10 minutes of that episode prior to this recording and we were both just dying laughing. I thought it was really funny. Roxy's, Roxy's mom texted her and said, I just finally got a chance to listen to Scotty's episode and Phoebe's so funny at the end. And I'm like, oh God, <laughs> I think that was my scariest point. So oh God. Okay. Well, again, apologies. <laughs> so how often do you have to get drunk a week then? Because you guys build a pretty deep log, like a, a queue of episodes, don't you? Well, we have to now that we're traveling more. So like next week we're interviewing two or three people. We're, we usually do it every other week. And then when we're traveling, we like to meet up with someone in person and record with them. So it's not every day that we're drunk, people. The drunk is the fun part. But at the same time, I mean, I have to give you girls a lot of credit. You girls are hustlers in the right sense. Like you make shit happen. And now you've, you know, gotten to the point where you started a new kind of brand for yourselves called Panda Design Co. You don't go by San Diego letters anymore. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, as we were traveling more for work, so we do a lot of outreach to get work for our business and we're going to all these new cities now to teach workshops and to speak at conferences. So of course, you know, we have a goal of painting a mural in every state in the United States <laughs> and every country in the world. Hey, I got you in Iowa. Hey, yeah. Um, and so we do outreach to the cities that we're going to and that was becoming a bit of a hang up of like, why would we hire someone from San Diego even though like it doesn't matter, we're going to be in that city anyways. So we figured it was time to change our name because San Diego Letters originally was the meetup group. It wasn't a name created for a business. So we changed it to Pander Design Co. And Pander is P and R spelled, or spelled out for Phoebe and Roxy, for those illiterate people. And <laughs> It also means to gratify or to pimp. Makes sense. Okay, so you're pimping your clients, basically. We're pimping out walls, people. <laughs> <laughs> we needed something a little bit more ambiguous because we don't just do letters either. So. Well, speaking of not just doing letters then, what are some of like the forms of, of income that you bring in? What are some of the different streams that you've created now? Because I know you're getting into speaking. You teach shit tons of workshops. What are these different streams of income that you've created for yourselves or at least giving yourself opportunity to be hired for? And then I want to talk about outreach too, because that's something I struggle with and I'm sure a lot of people do. And I want to hear how you guys go about it. Oh my gosh, we're giving you all our secrets. Outreach <laughs> is my favorite. Yeah. So Scotty, honestly, most millionaires recommend seven different sources of income so that you don't have all your eggs in one basket. So for us, that is murals, branding, 
social media graphics. Well, that comes yeah, under the same thing. Yeah. Um, we do workshops. We speak at conferences. Believe it or not, the podcast is making money now. Mm-hmm. We sell our organs when all that isn't working. And is that six or seven? I don't know. We're, we're working on seven, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just nice having the different streams because it's too much pressure on the murals. Personally for us, like, yeah, not everyone needs a wall painted. And it's, you know, once it's done, it's done. So it's not really a repeat client. So that's what's nice about packaging or branding for other uh, businesses. Does most of your workflow come through Instagram, your website, or is it through outreach? It's about 50, 50. Um, so 50% coming to us either through seeing us on Instagram or seeing one of our murals out in the wild or like knowing someone that's worked for us and then 50% through outreach. Well, let's talk about outreach. If you don't want to give away your secrets, just give me the basic minimum. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to try and pry it out of you anyway. Cause I need that shit. Um, yeah. How does that go? Cause I, I've read, okay. So I stuck on this, this approach of, on, I, I create probably 80% of the time and then 20% out there is like promotion with probably zero outreach when I've been hearing mm-hmm. it's probably create 20% of con, uh, of the time with content, 80% of promotion and outreach. But that's so hard for me. Like how do you two go about yeah. that? Do you have designated roles? And I'm, I, I don't do well of being told no. So mm-hmm. I, that's another reason why I don't like doing outreach, but how do you, how do you attack that? Well, uh, I don't care about being told no. It's, it's just a numbers game. The more and more people you reach out to, the the more likely you are to get a yes. So, and even when people are saying no to you, they and it's via email, so they're not saying it to your face. They're just saying like, oh, sorry, we're not interested right now. Like no one's actually going to type out something rude to you from saying you want to help them, their business. Now we start by emails and we send out emails to hundreds and hundreds of people. But they're targeted. Targeted, so, targeted. Yeah, we look for certain things like businesses that we know could use our services, that social media is important to them, that they can afford our services, we think. We look for companies that we think would work well with us. How do you look for these companies? Just like online, locally, around like on Facebook or something? Google. Yeah. Google and then just build like a spreadsheet or something just to be like, we're going to attack these people. I'm actually bad. I never. I used to record it in a spreadsheet, but I don't know. It just got kind of annoying so I just don't well we keep um spreadsheets of all of our past clients so every time we get a new client we put it in this spreadsheet where we list out what industry they're in so sometimes like we were thinking we were doing a lot of work for like co-working spaces and breweries but most of our work is for restaurants and hotels which we weren't really realizing until you actually list it out so um, figuring out what industries work well for you based on past clients. And then Phoebe is like the queen of outreach and finding um, these businesses. It's fun. It's like being a detective. And you have a pretty strong personality anyway. So, I mean, it's probably right up your alley, right? Yeah, I just I'm interested in, in finding, oh, like, look at this new restaurant or hotel or like, this business is totally in line with us. Look what they did. Like we, we reach out to a lot of marketing and PR agencies as well, because a lot of what they're doing is experience or experiential marketing. So that makes sense for a live lettering event or whatnot. And mm-hmm. um, so Roxy and I have also put together uh, a couple presentations catered to different businesses or whatever project we think would make sense for them. So we have a mural presentation, a live lettering presentation, 
just a general presentation about like how fabulous we are. And then, uh, <laughs> and, you know, depending on like, if it's a, if it's a PR or marketing, we'll send them the live lettering, you know? Uh, I mean, sometimes there's overlap. No, you girls are like big personalities, you know, through the podcast, like big personalities. Like, I mean, you kind of have to be all of us are personalities on show, but behind the scenes, I'm honestly, I'm kind of blown away just by all the shit you guys do and all the moves you make and the outreach and shit. I don't really know anybody else that does outreach like that to be completely honest. Yeah. That's why they make it so easy for us. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. I think we're the only industry that doesn't really do it, which is so weird. My roommate is in tech sales and they sell like some software to like what people with websites. And she was told recently like by um, a website they were trying to work with that they were really great salespeople, but they were so great. They weren't sure whether to call the cops or to work with them. So they decided to work with them. They were so persistent. Yeah, you have to be persistent. Like we're even, you know, we were hesitant about like bothering people and reaching out more than once, but it's been written that like you have to make almost 12 points of contact before someone is going to get back to you. See, I did sales for a while back when I used to work in the gym and you had to like pretty much bug someone over and over and over again. 20, as long as they say, Yes, one time those twenty no's doesn't matter. So exactly, yeah, it's buy or die. Like until they tell you to fuck off and never talk to them, like <laughs> we'll keep bugging them. And actually, um, we are really working on scaling our business. So we recently hired a girl that just does outreach for us, and that has been tremendous for our business because we don't have to do that. Man, okay, so th- I think this segues nicely. Recently, I saw an Instagram post uh, from you. I think it was Phoebe. And maybe it's a talk of yours too of how you went from clueless to making 100K a year. Like that is like clickbait title right there that had me like drooling at the mouth wanting to know how you made this happen. But I think one element off the top has got to be outreach. Yes, okay, completely. So, and, and just to finish that up, because in this industry, so many of us bitch and complain. It's like a crab bucket mentality. We see all these artists doing well. We want to... P- pull them back down to the bottom with us. And we live this starving artist stereotype. I know I lived that for a long time, not thinking I could do shit with my art until I like branched out, got out of Iowa, went to conferences, met people like you. So can you talk a little bit more about this? This, I guess it's a talk, right? A presentation? Yeah, I just want to um, <laughs> be clear from the beginning though. Unfortunately, we did not make our 100K each goal this year. We're oh, That's our goal. We're a little bit short. But you 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 got to set lofty ass goals though. Like for me, that yeah, that would have been too big of a goal for me. To, I'd shit my pants if I set that goal and I'd freak out. No, you can do it. It's not as like with how close we got. It's not actually. It's so atta- much more attainable than you think. So the talk that we are giving is exactly about that. How it seems unattainable, and certainly, I think I was told, or you like Google it on glass glass door and all that, and it tells you, you know. 50, around 50 is a, is a good salary for a creative director, graphic designer, art director, whatever. And like maybe wake your, make your way up to 70 and like higher management. But 100 was like never in the vicinity of what we thought was like a, a salary in our industry. So we started working with a business coach and he, you know, blew that stereotype out of our minds. He was like, no, no, no. If you run your own business, it has to be worth it. To be worth it, it has to be $100,000 a year because you're doing 
so much more than just the designing. You're literally like the accounting, the HR, the like all the billings. It's exhausting. So um, Rox and I certainly like are working 24-7. You pretend that you're on vacation, but you're still like checking emails here and there. So for all that to be worth it, you know, like we're probably still like making like five cents an hour, you know? Yeah. So we just talk about how it's possible and uh, what you can do to get yourself there by um, first off breaking it down into like 12 different months. Uh, so if, if you have that hundred thousand dollars, it sounds like really scary, but if you break it down for us, it's individually be like around $8,000 each a month. So you figure out how many murals or logos or whatever you need to do to reach that 8,000 each month. Sometimes knowing obviously not every month is going to be this the same. So like it can even out by like 12 one month and four the other. So breaking it down into into uh, foreseeable like projects and what can equate to the, that 8K really makes it easier. Then how do you balance the, obviously the outreach, you have someone helping you now, but how do you balance the content creating, uh, scheduling, client communication, and like actually doing the work and PR it's funny you say you have an HR because how I envision you guys from my perception, there's no HR department in your world, (laughs) (laughs) but like, how how do you manage all that shit and still manage to enjoy life? Because we're all still young. Like we're all still young uh, under 30. I mean, I turned dirty 30 this year. Shit. But like, do you guys have like each day planned out and uh, duties between each two like designated? Well, you know, it's kind of tricky because every day is different. Um, depending on what meetings we have, if we're painting a mural, if we're recording podcasts, it's hard to kind of designate certain days for certain things. Balancing really is a lot easier when you have two people because, you know, we can work on things faster. We can bounce ideas off each other. We can designate, okay, you do this, I'll do this. And it's not really the same thing all the time, but we just do the best we can. We're still like figuring out the organization type stuff. Yeah. But I mean, we work all the time you just make things a priority uh well maybe it's too retro actively that I don't know I'm like is that the right word like we're (laughs) like we'll notice something is lacking in our business and then that's when we schedule time to to address it so uh maybe it's not as you know proactive that we should be, be be doing but like it's it's nothing's been that horrible thus far a lot of google calendar stuff like we if we don't put it in the calendar it doesn't exist yeah amen true that really doesn't i i used to be the person who would wing shit each day and then i would never get anything done and i had no progress so i mean we want to be posting on every all of our 75 instagram accounts every single day so coming up with content is a little bit difficult we're trying to get better about resharing old projects and with a mural like sharing more than one photo of it because yeah it's like that was a whole project for three weeks and we should be sharing more than just one photo but uh Rox and I get tired of things so we're like eh, we don't want to talk about this one anymore <laughs> but or just reorganizing old drafts and just sketches and other things to be, show the behind the scenes and you have to, you really have to get creative with the content if you want to be consistent and post every day true uh how do you go about pushing the podcast then I mean you got two of you you do shit tons of episode artwork for each but how to like push it on different platforms because you're on SoundCloud is that your main hosting Mm -hmm. yeah so soundcloud's where we host we promote mostly the podcast just through instagram 
So each week we have the guests do a piece of art and then each of us individually do a piece of art and then we collaborate on a piece of art. So it's usually four pieces of content each week and then like Damn. a few of us. Obviously we could be sharing it on other platforms. Like Rox and I have been using Instagram as like the end all be all, but we're like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we need a diverse. If we had a whole our team, we could be like getting them to get it on the in Cosmo magazine or some shit like that. I don't know. But uh, we're now pretty serious about entertaining the video idea. So that might be coming at you soon. Yeah, I saw that Instagram poll. Let me know how you do that. Well, I don't have time to do fucking video anyway, so never mind. But uh, <laughs> how, how do you attract sponsors? Because uh, I know you have one sponsor right now. You can plug them if you want. Uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that all for reach for you too like do you attract do you go out and seek sponsorships as well in that whole outreach part yeah definitely and um so we go after alcohol brands usually we're trying to diversify that a bit too you know a lot of times these big brands don't really understand or know how to attract a creative audience so Mm -hmm. we're that outlet to the creatives um and then also like we get so many no's for that because alcohol is hard to have as a sponsor because they can't really ship alcohol everywhere. So sometimes Mm -hmm. that's where it stops, but then that opens the door of communication. So we can be like, Hey, well we design, um, Instagram graphics, we design wine labels, you know, we can do all this stuff for you. So we just got done doing a wine label project for someone that we had outreached, um, to be a sponsor. Yeah. You guys, everyone needs to stop taking everything so personally. If they're saying no to you, it's not because your work's bad. Like that's never, ever been the feedback It's because like they don't have the budget or like you're not talking to the right person, the decision maker. There's so many bajillions of other reasons why it's totally not your artwork. Yeah. You're making me feel like I'm not like working hard enough on this shit right now. Oh, stop. No, I just, you work so hard. I just want people to like, um, get excited about like putting themselves out there because it's like it's really not a vulnerability thing it's because re- they they I'm guarantee everyone thinks like if you're reaching out like your work's good um oh and, and another thing I was going to bring up is we had the or the thought in our head from uh people wanting to reach the market of creatives or sponsors anyway because when uh yeah again my my old roommate worked for Red Bull and she's like oh my god we're always trying to get like figure out ways to get in front of creatives like they like we're this like mysterious group of people that they can't quite figure out so the action sports and all that is figured out but creatives I don't know they just don't know how to so yeah the podcast and other interesting ways uh conferences are just another whole different realm that they're willing to explore and we're figuring it's the same with these specialty alcohol brands Speaking of this, so we're all in this lettering world together, and we had briefly talked about this when I was on your podcast, and when, if you don't know what Ligature Collective is, like, my audience is big time in lettering, too. We just added a whole campaign of, like, women's of letters, because we're just like, holy shit, there's no females in this group. Like, Nick Bassani and James Lewis all brought that up, and we're like, oh, shit. All right, you're totally right, and we had a big campaign, and you two ladies joined the group along with, like, Lisa Quinn, I almost got it. I said Lorik and uh, what Jenna Blazevich and some other girls, but it seems to be that there's this boys club in the lettering world, yet you two are carving your place in it, to be completely honest. You guys are always somewhere up on my newsfeed doing something big. I'm glad it seems like that. <laughs> it, it does seem like that shit. You guys are always making moves. Tell us a little bit about this boy club lettering and you know how you are carving your place in this world. 
Because I was, I was honestly, I was probably ignorant to it and didn't even notice it until people like you brought it up and brought it to light. And I think it's an important conversation to have. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely getting better. Um, it's not just in lettering. It's basically throughout all industries and like, especially being in business is very male dominated. Even you just saying this year, you let in six women out of 36 people now into Ligature Collective. Like Ligature Collective started a few years ago. And like, that's something that we noticed a long time ago. Like, what the fuck? Why are there no women in here? Especially like coming into the lettering scene pretty early, it, it did definitely feel like a boys club. And like, where I just always see guys on Instagram, like shouting each other out. And like, it might just be like, hey, we're bros, like we're friends. But that definitely equates to follows and likes and, and which then equals work. So like when you're not getting shouted out by people or like you're not getting shared on the accounts that just feature different letters, artwork, um, it definitely like hinders you. And there's one, um, a few different um, lettering sharing accounts that I noticed early on that never shared female artists work. And I did not understand that. And I just felt like, you know, I'm constantly trying to get into this world and like comment on these people's photos and like not getting responses or, you know, just not being included in this world where like, you know, when I got into lettering, I was like, oh my God, I finally found my people. But then like, I didn't feel included in the community. So it's definitely getting better now, um, especially with like, you know, being included into groups like Ligature Collective and there's just so many talented women out there um, getting shared more now. Um, but we're just trying to carve the way by being honest about our experience and like talking about things that people don't really talk about, especially like money and stuff, because that benefits all of us. Honestly, I, I think it's huge. Like, I was blinded by it because when I got into lettering, I saw like the Jessica Hishes, the Gemma O'Briens and like Lauren Homs. So like to me, I thought like there is these huge women in lettering and it made me feel so small. So I like never even thought about it from that perspective. And I'm sure a lot of guys are just ignorant to it. A lot of people just didn't really realize that there were people feeling excluded. And that's where talking about it is so important because once you do realize like, oh, wait, this account doesn't share any female art then you can't unsee that but until like someone points it out to you you yeah. don't really realize it I didn't even notice it and then Roxy pointed it out to me and I was like oh my god that's that has to be conscious like how is that account only po like that's just too bizarre but yeah. then maybe it's just within the Instagram community because I don't know I just feel like the big people like Jessica Hish and Gemma don't I don't know, do they're they? not involved in they're not no in they don't no they they're not really involved they're just they're there's shit shared all over the place though yeah but it's like when we were all getting started like yeah everyone knows Gemma's amazing like she doesn't need more followers like the little people that are trying to come up need help and like I've talked to people that have told me like getting shared on those accounts has been like essential for me getting work and getting followers and like when other people aren't getting that it's like they're being held back a bit true well it seems like you're getting your your voice and your talents and stuff out there now especially you're going to be attending more conferences these days like what do you kind of what kind of things do you have coming up on the horizons where you do get to talk about this stuff um well our next speaking gig um, may or may not have passed already once this comes out, but we're speaking at the AIGA student conference in St. Louis. So talking to some fresh 
a college student mind <laughs> about, yeah, what the um, freelance world is like. Corrupting minds one by one. Yeah. And then we are going to be actually doing a live drunk on lettering on stage. Yes, we'll be drunk on stage. I'm repeating that. I can't. I, I wonder how Matt Dawson's going to feel about this one. <laughs> I know. At Crop, we're actually interviewing him tomorrow. So. He, he likes us for some reason. <laughs> Matt Dawson is... He, he's the man. I can't say enough good things about him. I love that dude. He's amazing. Yeah, slightly ter- terrified about that experience, but it's happening. And then we're doing another speaking gig in in the fall up in uh, your neck of the woods in Columbus, Ohio. That's, I mean, kind of in my kinda, neck of the woods. <laughs> it's up there. Yeah. Uh, for the AIG one, are you going to have like a keg or anything for, you know, your, your talk? Um, we will have one after the talk. Our talk is in the morning, so um, no, that one. Yeah, we're going to be professional in the dorm that. rooms too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll secretly have a kick for the underage kids. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> something that I think we have a lot in common is that we just say yes to shit when we don't have a clue yep. how to do it mm-hmm. and figure it out along the way. Especially with you two together, you know, being able to figure out how how valuable has saying yes to opportunities when you may not fully know what the hell is going on. Has that pretty much been your whole career? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 100%. We wouldn't like everything that we've done. We basically didn't know how to do it. Like starting off with the Red Bull wall. Yeah. I think we just learned by doing and faking it along the way and just being like, yep, we'll figure it out. You know, we had no idea how to run a podcast or paint a mural or write a contract and you know, if we had waited till we were ready, we never would have done any of that stuff. Mm. Yeah, done is better than perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally true. I, I had no idea what I was doing with that brick mural that I'm still fucking with, but it, I owe everything to you girls because I just said yes, and I'm like, shit, somebody's got to know. So I came to you because you probably said yes and had no idea in the first place when you did yours. Exactly. Yeah, and brick is tricky, but yeah. you did amazing with that. I love how that turned out. Thank Props you. To you for for that texture for your first one, and yeah. you didn't mess up at all. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> not not it's not not your- visible. Not visible. I want I want to hear some crazy shit about like what's the wildest client or project. Or any kind of story you've had in doing, you know, work together and don't hold back, please. Are you wanting to hear like a horror story or like a really cool, like, wow, our life is amazing story? Let's do both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because we were debating about this earlier. We're like, should we come off as cynical assholes or really positive? (laughs) Everybody wants the bad news before the good news. So start with the horror story. Okay. Which one? (laughs) (laughs) So our biggest paid job to date happened a few months ago and it ended up being the worst project that we've ever done and no one's seen a picture of that because we hated how it turned out. It was this very, very large 80 by 15 foot wall that was above eight feet of mirrors. So it was very high, very big, um, but we thought we were getting paid well. um, So we thought it would not be a big deal. And the client originally seemed like he was going to be a good client and he was like you know I looked at all the other artists in San Diego I didn't like anyone but I like you guys I want you guys to do your thing so we're like yay like awesome they like what we do but now we're realizing anytime a client tells us to do whatever we want they're liars they end up being the worst clients ever they're dirty liars (laughs) (laughs) so yeah uh we painted this 
just gigantic thing, rented a lift. It was fine. You know, long hours. Actually, no, it wasn't fine. It was on a construction site. And here's a little feminist rant, but like women on construction sites are not well received and they just talk down to us and act like we were dummies because A, we didn't know we had to wear fucking uh, steel-toed boots. No one told us. So we were constantly yelled at for the, and so we finally got a pair and we're like, all right, get off our backs now. And they're just like, con- like staring you down. What are you guys doing? And while, while like painting while a drill is going off in your ear and the fire alarm and all these things. So it was like the less less ideal uh, climate. And then we finished the mural. We're all done. Email the client. Yay, it's done. Go enjoy it. And then how much longer till it was like a week or something? Yeah. So the client had this vision of the mural looking distressed. And he said he wanted it to look old, like it'd been there for like 100 years. And we said, well, we're painting it today in 2017, not in... <laughs> 1917 they want it like whitewashed or something yeah and so we said you know if you want to like sandblast or something that's your prerogative but like you know we're gonna do our best to make it look distressed with paint but it's gonna look like painted it's not gonna look like the paint's falling off because it's been there for 100 years and so we thought that we were clear about that from the beginning and then we finished the mural which took us like 20 hours it was very like you know, we hated being on that construction site. So we were just like, get us the fuck out of here. Not a design that we liked, you know, we hated even what we were painting and mm-hmm. uh, we sponged it to make it kind of look, you know, distressed or whatever, but I guess that wasn't enough for him. So then we went through this whole thing about getting sandblaster and this like <laughs> literally the most scary looking man that you could ever imagine showed up at the site to walk the site with us. And like the client is like a very like fancy buttoned up person. And like we, get this guy and he's like jumps off his Harley Davidson looks like he's been like laying in the sun for the last hundred years he's a raisin and like all leather get up and he's like you know just you're such just such a character and he's like oh no I can't sandblast this like you can't sandblast a brand new drywall and we're like well fuck what are we supposed to do and then he said he could hand sand it with like a little whatever. So then we were going to pay him and we, we were getting fucked with the bill, like paying him to do it. Cause that was supposedly our job again, like have your contracts like clear as day, I guess, but we can, you never foresee these problems until they actually happen. And, um, ghetto man, like ends up bailing and he was like, yeah, we kind of knew he wasn't be reliable. So then the client's like, Oh, you guys can just hand sand it. And this is, like, the first and hopefully only time I've ever cried in front of a client before. But I was just, like, he wanted us to hand sand this 80 by 15 foot wall that's up 8 feet. And another caveat was that we weren't allowed to use a lift because they had just finished the flooring. So it was just, like, they were making it difficult for us. (laughs) Like, hand sanding that huge of a wall is just, like, impossible. So we were, like... Yeah, we were, like, almost ready to walk away from the final 50% just to be, like, fuck this project. Like, we're over it. Because mentally you're over it. You've already been done after the 20 hours of painting. And that was done, like, a couple weeks prior. And then you finally... So he's like, yeah, go to the hardware store. Get every fucking kind of sandpaper possible. And so we did. And then he, like, watched us, analyzed us as we tried each sandpaper. And, like, nothing is coming off the wall. It's like minimal. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that looks really good. (laughs) So just do the whole wall. And yeah, you're just imagine like our triceps were dead. We were scrubbing this thing and it was 
We ended up doing it. He had us do it for two days for eight hours each day. And that was basically a living hell. Um, (laughs) You got paid though at the end, right? Yeah, we kept joking that we were archaeologists and we were like digging for some like old like piece of this like prehistoric artwork. <laughs> you just have to entertain yourself when you're like feel like you're going crazy and it's a hundred degrees in there, like sweating. It's awful. Probably not gonna share that image for the show notes with me, are you? <laughs> I mean we can. That was a not? joke. No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a good story. What's the greatest Yeah, it was a recent project. So we don't normally do projects for trade because getting your nails done for free doesn't pay the bills. Um, It doesn't go toward your rent. So we don't really like to do trade. But we, back in December, got this gig with a hotel in Palm or Phoenix. (laughs) It felt like Palm Springs. Um, But it was in Phoenix and really great hotel. Um, The original price that we quoted them at for this big, uh, it was a decent sized wall out by their pool. Um, it was $5,000 and they asked, you know, if we give you free hotel rooms, massages and food and beverage while you're here, can you bring the price down a little bit? So we brought the price down to 4,000. So only a thousand dollar difference. And, um, so we said, okay, yeah, sure. And we were like, we don't need two rooms. We can just share a room, like, you know, whatever. So we get to the hotel, not really, we expect to be put in like the smallest room, like the shittiest room, because we're like, you know, whatever, they're giving it to us for free. And we get there and they give us the most baller suite either of us have ever stepped foot in. Like penthouse? Yeah, like it was, we did not belong there. No, it was (laughs) huge. It was bigger than my entire apartment. My, the bathroom with the shower and the washer dryer and toilet and sinks was bigger than my entire bedroom. Um, it had a kitchen, it had two bedrooms, two bathrooms. Like it was the most gigantic thing ever. We were just like absolutely floored. We got free food and drinks and massages and massages for three days. It was just like living the VIP life and like painting a mural by the pool underneath palm trees. Like was this the Scottsdale one? Yes. Yes, I I liked it because it had my name in it. Yeah. (laughs) Austin came by and he got to check out the room and um, he ordered room service with us. It was fun. Yeah. Austin's the shit, right? Yeah, he's so funny. Dude, you guys are so synced up on all your responses. It was like that on the show. You you do hang out with each other quite often, huh? I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Oopsies. Where do you see yourselves in the next five, ten years? I know that's that's hard to think of, but probably 500K, a million. I mean, we both really want to be millionaires. That's our goal. Um, why not? I know. Why not? I mean, you know, it's possible. Fuck yeah. In order to do that, we kind of have to build up and scale up and do some different things. So we're going to have a few people working for us. We were talking about how it's hard because we're not sure like what aspect of our business is still yet to take off. Obviously, we're doing the murals and like that's probably not going away, but we're not sure like if the podcast is going to keep growing. So it kind of depends on what the people like. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, but just definitely just scaling up bigger, better, everything. And maybe a reality TV show in there. Fuck. Honestly, I could totally see that. Like (laughs) like when VR and stuff like makes it big. People can like basically drink with you in a sense oh my god that would be awesome yeah dude you guys would kill that you're the only two i could actually see pulling that off 
Oh my gosh, so funny. Yeah. Before we go into rapid fire, what's one piece of advice you would give to a creative who struggles starting or sticking with it? Because that's a lot of people in this audience. I mean, starting is the hardest part. It seems so daunting to do anything before you do it. So just taking it one step at a time or one thing at a time. Like for us, if we started doing murals and workshops and the podcast at the same time, we wouldn't have been able to do it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, we started doing murals. We got the hang of that. And then we added on workshops and then we got the hang of that. And then we added on the podcast. It wasn't all at the same time. So like just trying to take things one part at a time and just like going for it. Cause like, fuck it. Who cares if you fail? Like there's other things you can do. Word. Bite it off in little chunks. Lighten things up now. So if you were on death row, what would your last slice of pizza be? I guess that's where we'll be in five to ten years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would do, this is Roxy, I would do pepperoni with ricotta. And mine would be a burrito. <laughs> that's cheating. Word, you know, that's fine. That's fine. You can switch it up if you want. What's, what's your favorite drink to get you drunk? Ooh, it's always changing. Um, right now we're getting a lot of free wine from sponsors, so I'm gonna have to go with wine. Yeah, it's wine for the podcast for sure. But if I'm going out, I start with like a vodka soda, and then mm-hmm. I switch to beer. What? Isn't it? <laughs> Wait, beer before liquor. You've never been sicker. Liquor before beer. You're in the clear. Okay, never mind. You're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Script serif or sans serif? I'm a script girl. I'm a sans serif girl. Everybody says sans serif, so thank you for doing script with me. Wow, I'm surprised. Yeah, everyone says script on our show. Really? Everyone says sans serif here. It's like maybe one out of five says something different. Someone said, wow. slab, someone said slab serif once. That was cool. But anything on the horizon you want to plug? I know we kind of talked about some of your speaking dates, but I mean, any anything else? Workshops? You got a shit ton of workshops coming up. I wish I could make the Chicago one. Oh my God, that would be so fun. If you can make it, you can come for free. Yeah, I mean, workshops, we're- We'll be teaching the one in Baton Rouge as well. Baton Rouge, New Orleans, those are not out yet, but they will be. At crop or something other than crop just happens to be the same time. Yeah, we're doing crop, a workshop at crop, but then we'll probably do a separate one there and then a separate one in New Orleans. Yeah, good. You guys are going to do New Orleans for like a, a day after it or two days or whatever. Yeah, we're hoping to get a mural gig out there. Wherever so the wind takes the, us. Starting that outreach. Word. All right. Uh, where can people go to find you online? Um, at Pander Design Co. No E. Um, or www.panderdesignco.com. Oh, my God. Don't say the www. <laughs> <laughs> Worldwide Some web. Some people don't know you have to do that. <laughs> you can also follow our podcast, Drunk on Lettering, and it's available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Even if we couldn't get video to work, it's still awesome to finally get you on here to share your story. I mean, you could have been drunk, but I don't think you are. So that's that's cool too. Um, hey, thanks so much for your time. And I really do appreciate you guys. Yeah, you Thank too. You. Can't wait to make your artwork. All right, there you have it. The two... Amigas from Panda Design Co. and Drunk on Lettering. If you're like me, you are beyond impressed of how much work these girls put into 
not only their podcast, their design, their outreach and building their business. Like it's seriously super impressive. And I have to give them mad props and mad respect for the hustle that they put in all while still having a good ass time and, you know, being them true selves and pouring them true selves into work. Just like we talked about in Adam Vickerell's episode a few episodes back. Moving on to the dose of inspiration. This week it goes to Emily Laura of Northern Projects, but you can just call her Laura. I discovered her Instagram account early 2017, and I've been just blown away by the range of lettering style she can whip up. Her analog versus digital split series really catches my eye, and you know it's kind of the main reason why I'm plugging her right now. And she also has a cat, so that's a plus. I suggest you check her Instagram account at Emily Laura. And Emily's a, a unique way of spelling it. So it's E-M-M-E-L-Y, Laura, L-A-U-R-A. Pretty simple there. Or you can find her work over at letsgonorthern.com. If you're enjoying what you hear and you want to support the growth of the show, I have a few ways you can make that happen. The first way is by becoming a backer at patreon.com slash perspective podcast. Not only can you donate per episode with as little as $1, $3, or $5, but I also try to hook you up with some type of reward so it's a win-win with your help and your donations and backing the show. You help me cover recording costs, equipment, hosting, uh, even helping me get editors and you know other people on the team to help me get this show out better with higher quality. So it's because of you that I'm able to cover this show and keep pushing it to the next level. The second way you can support the show is for you crypto heads out there. In the show notes for each episode, I'll have an address for Bitcoin, Ether, or Litecoin donations if you prefer to go that route. Finally, you can leave a ratings and review over on iTunes. It not only helps the show get discovered, but it gives me an opportunity to give you a nice little thank you plug like this week's rating and review. And you gotta leave the review part. This one comes from Nee Nugent, and she titled it, A Great Pizza Perspective. Thank you, Nee. I appreciate the puns. Nee says, where do I even begin? I started listening to Scotty's podcast during a time in my life where I was unhappy with my job and creative endeavors. I felt extremely motivated after listening to just a few episodes. There aren't enough words to fully describe how valuable and insightful this podcast is. Scotty breaks down his life and process of how he pursues his dreams while balancing everything else. He also interviews huge influencers in the design lettering community. He's real, relatable, and tells you the exact things you need to hear to give yourself that extra push. Scotty's also a fantastic public speaker and extremely involved in his local and the creative community. I would definitely recommend listening to his perspective. Nee, thank you so much. If you haven't checked out Nee's work, I highly suggest you find her on Instagram. She's a killer letterer, killer illustrator, and just a downright awesome human being. So thank you so much, Nee. And as I wrap things up, I need to give a huge thank you to Anya Brennan all the way from Ireland for making this episode sound so damn good. And also a huge thank to Nick Jenkins of Bluka for all the dope theme music you hear on this show. Check him out at SoundCloud or on Instagram at Bluka. That's B-L-O-O-K-H. And as you finish your week out strong, I want to encourage you to keep showing up, keep putting in the work, and keep creating. You got this. You got this.